so fun to be with faculty and administrators that get to go serve our Lord tomorrow. Supporting staff, everyone that's here that's going to go to work, whether you're doing grounds or you're serving lunches or you're praying for those who are, it's an honor to be with you this morning. If you're visiting, I'm Scott. I'm the pastor at Adventure, one of actually the pastors at Adventure. I got to present last weekend with our new student and college pastor. I'm super excited about what he's doing. This morning, we have our last, our last message in our Jesus Uncensored series through the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this is a message uh, that I prepare with the Bayside staff. I want to give credit to them. They're extremely helpful to me. I feel like a kid that gets to hang out with professional athletes every week. And it's, uh, it's been a real joy for me. And I also want to thank our staff. Uh, my Diane, who's in here, my assistant, actually helped me on this message a little bit this week. And I appreciate her as well. And i got to include Chuck. He actually chimed in a little bit, too. I don't want to forget that. But uh, if you want bibliographic notes on this message, uh, let me know. Because I can uh, provide you additional bibliographic references for this message. Uh, but this message is unique. This is the day ta- God talked about judging. <laughs> Give you a little, a little piece, a little intro of where we're headed today. And uh, what I think we all know is that we live in a highly judgmental uh, rate your service, rate your auto mechanic, rate your restaurant, rate your table waiter culture, Right? I don't know about you, I, I fall right on into that. I don't necessarily get excited about being rated, though. I don't like it when the HOA, Homeowners Association of my community, rates my management in my yard. I don't want the feedback. Or that my fence needs to be painted. I don't really want to hear that. Or that, again, I parked a car out on the street, <laughs> and it shouldn't have been. should have been on my driveway. It's uh, punishable up to three years in prison or $2,500 fine. <laughs> I don't like hearing that all the time, okay? I don't like, I, there's this new email I'm getting from a, I don't know if any of you are on this, it's called My Life, I just got this in the last month, where people actually rate you. Evidently, 200 people have looked me up and they've rated me, and I scored a 3.6 out of 5. I thought that was very generous. <laughs> people are rating everyone, right? Don't we rate everybody? Uh, it's part of culture. You rate on Yelp, you rate on Amazon, your Amazon product. Uh, you rate on TripAdvisor, you're rating everything. Here are a few examples of how we all rate. We rate our Uber drivers, right? They rate us too. This is one passenger who said, my driver showed up without a car, offering a piggyback ride. Yeah, it took two hours to get to the destination, and also his shoulders were super bony. He got a one star. For, yeah. We got another one. This is a, this is a, a Yelp. Review of a Mexican restaurant. This is the most authentic Mexican food I've had since my childhood in Mexico City. Who knew such fine dining restaurant would have a drive-thru? The Mexican pizza was just like the ones my uncle, Vincenzo Gotti, would make every Sunday night. Two words, Taco Bell, nailed it. You got you to kind of be wordy on your ratings. If you do a brief one, you won't, it won't qualify. How about this rate? This guy bought off Amazon the new Samsung 105-inch TV. It lists at $119,000. And uh, free shipping. Free shipping, though. And the new owner, Eric Smith, this is what he said. 
I was able to purchase this amazing television with an FHA loan, 30-year fixed, with a 4.25% APR, and only 3.5% down. What a gift. Gosh, God really provided for him, didn't he? Ah. This is hands down the best decision I've ever made. And the box it came in is incredibly roomy, too. Which is a huge bonus because I live in it now. <laughs> okay, so uh, rating, evaluating, it's part of our culture, isn't it? Don't you rate everything? Uh, I'll just be honest. We come home from services and we rate the services in my home. And uh, hey, how is the message? Eh. Hey, how is worship? Great. I mean, it's part of what we do. Let's be honest. How many of you rate your Sundays that way, your services? Be honest. It's okay. I won't even look. You can just look at each other. Raise them up. Come on, be honest. We're an honest, no perfect people out church. All right, I didn't peek. Uh, so this is part of culture. It's part of culture. But the problem is, sometimes we rate one another. We evaluate one another, and it gets really corrosive, and it, it distance us, distances us from friends, and gets really, really um, kind of uh, viral if you're not careful. And you might be someone that's rating others personally, and you don't even know it. That's what's kind of scary about this one is that you might not even know you have this eye virus, which is, which is what it is. Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount with this line, and he's going to end with it too. I think this is kind of... This is kind of uh, an important bookmark. He says, do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. He's referencing the whole law of Moses, Genesis through uh, Deuteronomy, and also all the prophets. Don't think that I came to abolish. I came to fulfill them. And then he's going to walk. He walks through several of the commandments he walks through i think four of them and he qualifies them he 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 renews them the standard gets higher and grace gets deeper this is what he does he says hey do not murder of course that's what one of moses commandments said don't murder but jesus renews it he says this is murder anyone who's angry with a brother or who says hey you're nothing to me marginalizing of someone it's like murder okay Secondly, he says, don't commit adultery. Of course, we know that's most people in culture would agree that's not right. Jesus says, hey, if you look at someone lustfully, that's like committing adultery. Oh, people got real quiet. Then he says, then what we know the law says is don't bear false witness. This is commandment number eight or nine, uh, seven or eight. And Jesus says, hey, when you're talking to people, don't say, hey, I promise, I swear on behalf of Jerusalem. Just say yes or no. Be forthright. Be honest. He's renewing the Ten Commandments. And then we know the commandments teach us not to steal. Jesus says, hey, give to someone who asks of you. If someone asks you to go a mile, go too. Uh, don't hold back. And then we talk in the law, the last commandment is the one that the Apostle Paul uses to summarize all of them. Do not covet your neighbor's house, donkey, or wife. Not necessarily in that order. Don't covet. Don't desire what your neighbor has. And if you think about it, covetousness can drive all of these. Because what we learned from Zach last week is what we what we stare at, we steer towards. 
And it's the sin of the eye that can really mess with us. So Jesus sets this huge standard, and then he ends the Sermon on the Mount with this directive that I am finding so liberating. I hope, by God's grace, we're all able to walk out with something today to understand this on judgment. Jesus ends by saying, do not judge. What? I mean, look, the standard's way higher. Would you rather be accountable not to commit homicide, or would you rather be accountable to guard your eyes? Uh, I think it's a whole lot easier to say, hey, I'm not going to kill anyone in my life. Uh, I'm just speaking for myself, okay? <laughs> Way easier. Uh, would you like to be accountable to, um, to, to let, let me go up here, to not murder, to not, uh, I messed that one up. Yeah, to not murder or be, would you like to be accountable to not commit adultery your whole, your whole life or to be accountable to not look at someone lustfully? I'd rather be accountable not to commit adultery. I said earlier, would you like to be accountable to not murder someone in your whole life or would you like to be accountable to refrain from showing anger or marginalizing someone? I'd rather be accountable to the, to the original commandment. Are you following me now that I messed that up? I realize that. I think the standard got higher, but grace gets deeper here, okay? And Jesus is trying to, now he's ending with the, what would be the most natural posture after having all these commandments. High standard! But remember, the standard was set really high, so we would realize we can't keep it. That's the purpose of the law. It's, it's our teacher to show us you can't do it. The only way that any of this is possible is by grace, through faith, and the leading of the Spirit of Christ in your life. That's the only way. It's total Spirit-led living, being dependent on Jesus to help do this in us. Would you agree? How many would say, yeah, that makes sense? Cool. I got 20%. Here we go. So Jesus ends by saying, don't judge. And you're like, what? This is, by the way, the culture he's in is the law of suits, lawsuits. Everyone's studying and applying the Talmud, the, the Midrash, all the laws. There's lawyers everywhere, religious lawyers, highly tense area. And the question I want to ask this morning is one we've got to answer is, how do we give people the room to be them? How do we refrain from this natural tendency to be so corrosively judgmental, that we don't give people space to be themselves. This, this message really was for me. I'm just sharing it with you today. So what happens is that Jesus, Jesus does something you would never expect him to do. He tells us not to judge. Check him out. Do not judge, for you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Boy, if you don't hear anything, hear that. I make a decision by how I evaluate, by how I show concern, by how I uh, try to express fairness in a situation, I'm making a standard that will be used against me. That's deep. You will be judged with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. That's either scary or liberating. How many of you want to be liberated by that? <laughs> I, want to be, I want to leave today's message with this idea that I want to, I want to express my uh, fairness. I want to express my empathy. 
I want to express my concern with a brother or sister at the same measure that I want empathy, concern, and fairness shown to me. That's where I want to be. Do not judge. And so the first step in doing this correctly is to judge yourself first. And live graciously. Judge yourself first and live graciously. Start with yourself, Jesus says. Some of you might be saying, oh, wait a second. Are you saying we're not to make judgments? Jesus saying, don't make any judgments? No. We couldn't conclude that because at the end of this message, he's going to say, hey, beware of false teachers. Beware of leaders who dress up in, whom, whom are sheep in wolf's clothing. You got to be willing to evaluate what you're hearing, who you're hearing it from. You've got to be one who can fairly uh, look at a situation and, and even be in a position when you're in relationship with someone, when you're close to someone to say, hey, you know what? It, something's not right here. Something's not right here. The decision you're considering looks foolish. We have to be able to operate like that. But judging ourselves is how we do it first. Now, a key word here in this word for judgment is a word that comes out of the original language. It is this idea of censorous judgment. This is where you're just severely critical of others, okay? Now, how many would admit you can be severely critical? Let's just be honest. I got one, two, okay, great. I got eight, yes, we can be. I I love this line that I read. Bono, the lead singer of U2, was uh, in an interview, and while being interviewed on national television, Bono, U2, kind of a boomer generation, may seem a little old for some of you. How many like U2? U2 fans? Great. Uh, Bono did what Bono does sometimes. Uh, He dropped the big F-bomb in the middle of an interview. And some Christians got really onto him. You know, he is a real philanthropist. He claims to be a Christian. How do you do this and claim to be a Christian? And they actually approached his stepmom who raised him. And they asked him, what do you say about your son who uses the F-bomb, who used it on national television? And this is what she said. I can choose to be his judge or I can choose to be his intercessor. And it, it compelled me to ask this question of myself. Hey, what is my ratio to intercession over judgment? When I'm tempted to be critical and judgmental, how much time do I spend praying for someone versus just levying a rating or a one-star, two-star judgment? Intercession is a ministry for Christians to pray for one another. Bono rocks. <clears throat> John Stott, brilliant English scholar who passed away a few years ago. The command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. It's generosity. And I like what Martin Luther said about judgment. Leave people to another judge to another day. Isn't that nice? I hope you're feeling the, the pressure of judgment, that responsibility to come off of you. Jesus continues, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank 
in your own eye. So I want to do something for fun. I want to ask, these are just three people that you've been on my mind this week for this, and I wanna, I'm just going to call you up, okay? I want to ask my wife to come up here. I'm going to ask Jackson to come up here and my friend Jason Cooksey to come up here. Come on up here right now. Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. I love these people. I love them. They're great people. So here's the deal. Come on up here, Brother Cooksey. All right. Here's the deal. When I got this, when I got this plank in my eye, man, this, this is a guy I see. He encourages me all the time. He prays for me probably every day. If I have, is that, that's true, isn't it, brother? Exactly yeah. True. If I got this thing in my eye, it's this plank, and I want to come have a relationship with uh, Jason. It gets really difficult when I see my brother Jason at the Club Center Olympic, whatever, where we work out at. Jason, how you doing, bro? So good to see you. I just want to come give you a hug, but I can't, bro. Yeah, it's like, dude, so good. I'm just proud to be your friend, and... uh Gosh, I hope someday we can get close, you know? Maybe hang out. All right, bro. Sorry you can't reach me. Uh, You'll get better. Don't worry. You'll grow in your faith. That's how it can be, isn't it? Stay with me, Jason. Oh, honey, it's so good to have you back from Arkansas. So good to have you in the house. How about a kiss? Come on. Come close. Come close. How about, oh, yeah, let's get, oh, okay, all right. Jackson, come here, Jack. Jack, you know you stole my leftovers this week out of the fridge. You didn't ask. It's still a problem. You know I love you. We're close, right? Yeah. You see it? All right, you guys, thank you. Give them a hand. Boy, this, this plank can be this, uh, can kind of be this, this attitude of self-righteousness. I can't even see that I'm, I'm judging people by a standard I myself don't even keep. Sometimes I do that with leftovers in the home. Sometimes the son will take the gelato, finish the gelato, or eat directly out of it. I get upset about it only because I'm not doing it. Uh, yeah, that's the only reason. And so this plank can be super difficult. It can be tremendously uh, distracting for me. Jesus says, you hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's if he or she wants to let me close. Helping someone with something in their eye is a very personal thing. I, I remember watching a scene of a, on a Major League Baseball mound where everyone was surrounding a $20 million Cy Young Award winner because he couldn't pitch anymore. He had something in his eye. It's a very personal thing to help someone. They've got to invite you to do it, to have that kind of relationship where someone says, hey, could you help me? I've got something in my eye. Uh, that's a special relationship you have. This, this is going to actually make it difficult to have good relationships because you're so critical. You're not going to have relationships. <laughs> no one's good enough for you. Gosh, don't be like that. It's, it's just a trap of loneliness. It's a trap of wishful thinking. Don't do it. Remove the plank. And then you can see clearly to help someone else, to show empathy, to show fairness to help somebody else with their eye. And then Jesus says, hey, that doesn't mean you're to be in the speck removal business. That's not our business. He says, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw yourself your pearls to pigs. This is pretty strong language. I think one example is when Jesus was with Herod, who was in, in the last few days of Jesus' life, Herod was uh, 
asking Jesus to do a miracle, and Jesus did not say a word to him. Herod had been responsible for beheading his nephew, John the Baptist. I'm sorry, his cousin, John the Baptist. That was an example where Jesus wasn't going to say anything to him. It would have been a waste. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. There's sometimes it's, you don't want to say anything because there's no place for it to be heard. Plank disease is just uh, one of many eye infections we know that are out there. Pink eye, blepharitis, keratitis, trachoma, herpes, zoster, shingles, cellulitis, corneal ulcer, herpes simplex virus, eye sty, lots of different eye diseases. But the key word is it's hypocrisy. It's acting. Acting is behaving in a way that suggests one has higher standards or more noble beliefs than really is the case. And I think one thing we all need to know, I think how many of you would just be honest and say, hey, sometimes I, that's me. How many of you would say, sometimes this is me? Anybody? (laughs) Anybody? And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with this idea. Jesus bore the weight on the cross of all of our planks. My plank, your plank, your spouse's plank, your kid's plank, your neighbor's plank, your supervisor's plank, your coach's plank, even that other person I haven't mentioned's plank. He bore it all. And he's asking you to take the plank out of your own eye. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, judge yourself first. Judge yourself first, for sure. (laughs) It's easy to be critical, isn't it? How many of you find your food stolen at the, uh, at the office frequently. I like this line. Just take the whole slice next time, okay? Or how about this one? Yo, dude, that stole my lunch. I'm really happy for you. This guy's got a good attitude. I'm going to let you finish. Uh, I'm going to let you finish. But the hamburger is one of the best food thieves of all time. Of all time. You're the greatest. Good job. It is so easy to be just critical, isn't it? It's so easy to be critical all the time. Here are 12 steps for the recovering Pharisee of criticism. Here they are. We admit that our single most unmitigated pleasure is to judge other people. Got quiet in here. Maybe I should reread that. We admit that our single most unmitigated pleasure is to judge other people. Secondly, we've come to believe that our means of obtaining greatness is to make everyone lower than ourselves in our own mind. Lastly, we realize that we detest mercy. It's quiet in here. What's going on? Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount by saying something we would never imagine. Don't judge. Don't be that censorous judge. Start with yourself. Start with yourself. How do you live graciously? Start with yourself. Well, here I love Paul's words. Oh, wretched man that I am, who, who will deliver me from this body of sin? He started with himself. And then if you're in relationship with someone that you're in a position to help them with their spec, they give you permission to do that, then you come as a listener and you ask questions. Hey, Help me understand something. There's a little weirdness to this. Help me understand it. You come as a listener. Hey, lately you've been behaving a little differently. 
is there something that I can be praying about for you? These are way less cornering. These aren't gotcha. These aren't, these aren't, these aren't going to make people get all sensitive. They might get a little sensitive, but you have their best interest in mind. Hey, it might just be me, but it seems like you're going through a tough season right now. What can I do? It, by the way, asking bigger and better questions is way more difficult than just making bolder statements. It takes more work. It takes more thought, more energy, more patience. Come as a listener. Hey, it might just be me. It's probably just me, but it seems like you're really distracted right now by something else is really weighing you down. What can I do to pray for you? By the way, Melissa and I have never had such a gentle conversations in our life. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not trying to give you this idea that I do this perfectly. I don't. Start with yourself. Come as a listener. Here's a good example of, of why we don't judge. <laughs> Don't judge too quickly, right? <laughs> I like cats. I didn't pick the cat out. Uh, I actually think a lot of times we try to do things for one another, and they're misunderstood, right? Uh, yeah. Jesus continues, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He first said, hey, when it comes to not judging, he says, judge yourself first. Second, he says, judge God's faithfulness. Judge God's faithfulness. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Jesus is trying to say, hey, what about God's faithfulness here? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him so in everything? Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Let me say that. That line right there sums up the majority of what Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, if, if by the way, you're totally zoned and like you're like, when is this sermon over? I can tell you it can be over for you right now. Practice that that's in red. And, and above it, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. He started by saying, don't think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill. This, the bookend of his whole message is this. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. What would happen if in our marriage and family life, in our work relationships, we really did unto others what we would have them do to us? Even if they didn't reciprocate. I think this is, this is the narrow road. This is the big life in the single lane that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. It's that your life is all about doing unto others what you would have them do unto you. I think that's incredibly liberating. If I just, by God's Spirit, by His grace, started really living like that. That's the narrow road. Jesus says, 
judge God's faithfulness. That's how you live boldly. You judge God's faithfulness, his ability to follow through. A child, Richard Glover said, a child, if his mother is near and visible, asks if she's neither, he seeks, while if she is inaccessible in her room, she knocks. We pursue God like that. Uh, We pursue God, God's faithfulness. By the way, let me just say, God's been faithful to adventure. This week, he made it possible for us to have one of the most beautiful crosses put up on the corner of our property. If you haven't seen it, it's been a breathtaking experience, completely permitted by Sac County. Engineers, PG&E, everybody was all in on it. And when that thing went down, this is it. During at night, it's lit up. And I want a special thanks to our lead on this, Adam Castorina, who led us with that. It's, it's incredible. And uh, God's been faithful to us. God's also been faithful to help love the women of adventure. I heard yesterday we had some 40 women that went out on a shopping spree, a low-budget shopping spree, in case you're worried, fellas. Uh, a low-budget shopping spree. That was led by Adam's better half, Andy, uh, Candy Castorina. Candy, would you raise your hand so they can know here? And Stacy, I'm sorry, Stacy. So appreciate what you ladies did. Great win. I got a pair of shoes out of it. I'm really grateful. We found out they were women's shoes, though, later, so they're not working. But somebody else can wear them. <laughs> the boys saw them. They're like, hey, Dad, don't think those are men's shoes. All right. <laughs> All right. But they were cheap. <laughs> Anyways, I didn't wear them today. I didn't want to get laughed out. In everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. Judge God's faithfulness. Judge God's faithfulness. Key word here is you. Key word here is you. How come? How do you want to be judged? The answer to judging is, how do you want to be judged? Oh, you get to answer the question. I think the key word here is you. (laughs) You get to answer it. Andrew McGirt, I love this guy, he's from Ireland, one of the senior pastors at Bayside, says this, too often we know our needs more than our Father. Let me say it this way, too often we think we know our needs more than our Father. We pray, God, we knock, we ask, we pursue, and he answers differently, but he does answer. And we're like, that's not what I wanted, and he says, it's what you need. I got permission to share this story from my friend Uh, This week, she shared, we got so excited, we found a dream boat, almost a small yacht we wanted to buy. It only required selling our houseboat, our ski boat, and getting a loan. We thought, we can do this. We were so excited. And then the owner sold it out from underneath us to his neighbor. And at first, we were really disappointed. And then we reasoned, you know what? The whole thing wasn't feeling right. It just was too fast and a little more expensive than we wanted to spend. We did like the leather interior. It was nice. But she said, I'm glad God got in the way and stopped that. Too often, we think we know our needs more than our Father. How do we judge God's faithfulness? Well, we do it this way. We do to others what you would have them do to you. See, if you believe that our God is good to you and to us, then you're willing to express that goodness to others unconditionally. And that summarizes the whole Sermon on the Mount. Doing to others what you would have them do to you. Or how about doing to others what your good, good Father in heaven has done unto you. Unconditionally, undeservedly, unmeritedly. You give it. 
And, uh, and I think the way I, this is, I actually think this is a commentary on this next verse that's so scary. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and may, it, and may enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Well, what has he just said that leads to life? What leads to life is when you do unto others which you would have them do unto you. And, and think about it. Jesus said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. You're not going to want to commit adultery if you're doing unto others which you would have them do unto you. Jesus has said, do not commit murder, and hatred is marginalization or being angry with a brother. You're not going to be marginalizing of a friend if you're, say it with me, doing unto others which you would have them do unto you. If someone just got a new car in your neighborhood or a new uh, trailer or an upgrade on their property, you're not going to covet what they have. How come? Because you're going to do unto others which you would have them do unto you. Do you see what's happening here? It's a rebirth of the heart. You're not judging. (laughs) You drop the plank. You want the best for others. That's the free life. That's the free life. Lastly, judge your direction. Live counterculturally. Judge your own direction. How do we live counterculturally? Here's what we've been saying all year. We become a blessing to others. We become a blessing to others constantly. Some missionaries, two groups of missionaries went to Thailand to serve. One group went to convert Thai to Jesus Christ. The other went to bless Thai people. The group that went to convert a couple decades ago had only two or three converts to Jesus Christ. The group that went to bless Thai people reached hundreds. So here at Adventure, every day we want your life to be a blessing. Every day we want you to begin each day with prayer. That's getting on mission. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for those who are giving you plank a Titus. <laughs> okay? Pray for them every day. Second, we're asking you to listen. Listen. That's how we heal. Listen to what's going on around us so we can be attentive and able to serve. Third, we want you to eat. That's the easiest one here. We want you to eat with people you don't normally eat with. Use your lunch hour, your dinner hour, have people over. We want you to do life with people. We want every month, once a month, for you to be with your neighbors. How come? Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. Fourthly, we want you to do what in California is the hardest thing for us to do, to serve. As you listen, you serve, you listen, you earn the right, you invest, you serve. And when you're given the opportunity, they get to hear about the one who taught you <clears throat> this, this strange countercultural teaching. They get to learn your Jesus story. When's the last time you've shared your story? So people would understand our faith in God is a relationship. It's all a relationship that gives us the opportunity to bless others. <clears throat> Some of you might be thinking, let me tell you, Scott, you're going a little too far. There's not enough truth, not enough accountability in this passage. I would have said that having heard this message. I would have thought, preacher, you're falling into culture. You are, you, I'd have been, I'd have the finger too. The, the, the point, into the pointer finger. I'd have been like, you're, you're being too nice. Okay, I'd take that. Let me tell you who has the right to judge. It's Jesus. All judgment has been given to the Son. 
First comes death, then comes judgment. When every man will face Jesus Christ eye to eye, face to face, and be accountable for his or her life. And Jesus, he's the reason some people are turned off in the New Testament. Because when Paul's quoting, when Paul's giving evaluation, those aren't his words. They're the words of Jesus. He says, my account was not from me. It was all given from the Lord. And I'm amazed by Jesus' patience. This passage, I don't think I've ever taught on in 25 years, but it's an amazing little reference in Revelation where Jesus is talking about a woman who's leading a church, and he's leading several of the men in that church into terrible immorality. And I love what Jesus says. I've given her time, but she's unwilling. Jesus is patient. He's an intercessor. He's patient for people. But it doesn't mean he isn't willing to judge. He is very much willing to judge. He will judge. He does judge because he loves us. All right. How do we give people the room to be themselves? Here it is. This is what I'm saying today. Maybe it applies to you. The first is we start with ourselves and we come as a listener. Hey, what I'm seeing, it seems like, how can I help? What do you need? I'm sensing something in your voice. It's all asking questions, not making bold statements. That's how you live graciously. Secondly, I've said that if you're going to live boldly, you're going to be a distributor of the same goodness God's given you. You're going to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think this is the rock and sweet, sweet verse of the whole section. Because I don't want to be judged too hard. Anybody with me? I don't, I don't want to be judged. When I see SAC PD come behind me, I'm like, oh, all right. I don't, I'm, 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 I'm doing the best I can here. I don't want to be judged. How do you do it? You treat others the way you want to be treated. You ask yourself, hey, would I want to be heard like this? Would I want this said to me? Would I want to be treated like this? And then lastly, I think we're called to be a blessing. Go into all the world and make disciples. Be a blessing and love people unconditionally. That's how, that's how we do it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're honored to hear this idea today from you. Don't judge. Don't be a consensus judge, judge judger. Get that plank out of our eye. And uh, we just ask that your spirit would uh, help us today. Um, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Oh, that's so liberating.